To start off with, this week, we are naming our series Relationship Goals, and I've named just this week, number one, the goal of relationship. Relationship goals, the goal of relationship. So to start off with, we are going to be talking about what our relationships for this thing that a lot of us grow up really, really wanting. I know I did, like all the way back to kindergarten, like I wanted a relationship. Uh, and I, there was a girl named Sarah in kindergarten who I had for like two weeks, a little kindergarten relationship with, and then she moved away to Mexico and I never saw her again. And it was just heartbreak. And there was this hole in my heart ever since kindergarten where it was like, I need that again. And all the movies I saw, it was like, Every single movie ended with a relationship. And so we grow up in this culture where it's very saturated in our culture thinking that that is the end all and life is all about relationships. Well, I want to give us a verse to kind of be our pointer verse for this session. And it's Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. It's it's actually my life verse. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So we'll come back to that. But I want to kind of point us to the reality that we we kind of act the way that we've been taught in our life. We, I mean, you know, we know history because we've been taught history. We know language. We speak English because we've been taught English. We don't speak Spanish unless you're in Spanish class and then you speak it because you've been taught it. You don't just randomly one day start speaking Spanish unless you get a brain injury. Uh, I was reading an article that you can actually, some people get brain injuries and randomly they'll start speaking in Mandarin Chinese. And it's like, how does that even happen? I don't know. Read about it. On, I'm sure it's fascinating on the internet. Um, but we, we act the way we've been taught. And when it comes to the subject of love, I would say we've been taught the wrong thing about love. Now, um, how many of you have seen this movie, whether it's the classic 90s or the modern one? Beauty and the Beast? It's so good, but Disney teaches us some really weird things about love if you think about it. Like, Disney teaches you that any single woman over the age of 30 is a witch out to destroy your life. That's not true. That's not true. Um, Disney teaches you that parents are out to ruin your life when you want to just be a part of his world. It's just, it's, it's not, like Snow White, like Snow White teaches you if you get in trouble, wait for some dude to come and give you a kiss while you're unconscious. That's just, no, don't, don't do that. Ariel. She's a rebel. She runs off with the first hot guy she sees. That's what she teaches you. Like, you guys remember The Little Mermaid? It's like she's underneath the water, and she goes up, and she gets on this, she looks at this boat, and the camera's panning, and there's all these ugly old sailors, and then the first hot guy, not the first guy she sees, but the first hot guy she sees, she goes after, Prince Eric. That's what Ariel teaches us. Go after the first hot guy you see, uh, give up your identity and your family for him, don't worry about using your voice, as long as you're pretty, you'll be fine, Um, and, and... Side note, the weirdest scene in Little Mermaid is when uh, Ariel is at the castle with Prince Eric and they're serving her dinner and it's a fish dinner. Like, think about it. Think of the implications of that. She grew up with fish. Like, they were basically her neighbors and friends. Imagine if you were dating some hot guy and he served up your neighbors and friends on a platter. It was like, hey, eat this. Like, I don't care how hot he is. Like, you would not. Maybe. I don't know. But And then, and then there's Belle. Belle teaches us that... Uh, no matter how abusive and crazy a guy is, fall in love with him because underneath all that, he's got a heart of gold and you can change him. That's called Stockholm Syndrome, okay? That's when you fall in love with your captor. Um, it's not good. Now, when I grew up, um, well, this would make me 
someone who grew up in the 70s. So, well, okay, I discovered the Beatles when I was in junior high, and the song that I learned was All You Need Is Love. And that's definitely what I thought in high school and junior high. I thought, all I need is love. All I need is a relationship. One of the most modern, uh, this is really, really recent, one of the most modern love relationships we've seen are uh, these two characters from The Greatest Showman. I can't remember their names, but I know it's Zac Efron and some girl named Zendaya, I think. Uh, How do you pronounce it? Zendaya. Zendaya. Thank you. Zendaya. Zendaya. (laughs) And they had this song. What if we rewrite the stars? Say you were made to be mine. Nothing could keep us apart. You'd be the one I was meant to find. It's up to you. It's up to me. No one else can tell us what we get to be. Why don't we rewrite the stars? Maybe the world could be ours tonight. It's a very passionate love song. I think it's really epic. I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing that high. But the point is nobody wants to be alone. All of us have this like burning desire for companionship and friendship and intimacy and romance. And, you know, the thing about that is it's actually okay. It's actually, it's the desire for love is not only natural. Guess what? It's actually God given. He built it into us to want a desire for connections with other people. And for many of us, that desire is a romantic connection. And, And I mean, we feel it from an early age, like from a young age, we watch the movies and we see every single Disney movie ends with a relationship and, and it's built into us. We, we think about it and we're like, what do we, do with these feelings like what's the end goal like what do I do do I have some junior high relationship that lasts for three weeks and or do I have several junior high relationships that last for three weeks is that the answer is it uh, the world's answer which is you know you go out and you go to college and you sleep around with whoever you want and you date around with whoever you want and you try people out until you find the perfect person and then is, is that the answer I would say that God's answer the, the the biblical answer to that desire is marriage if we look at Genesis chapter two. So go back to the beginning of the story. You've got Adam, the first human. And what does God do? He looks at Adam. He says, everything in the world is good. Trees, good. Plants, good. Animals, good. Food, good. Water, ocean. Everything's great. But Adam, it's not good. Why? He's alone. And it says, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So I will make a helper fit for him. Now, Adam, what was he made for? He was made to glorify the Lord. He was made to worship the Lord. So when God was looking at Adam and he's like, I'm going to make a helper for him. What is he talking about? Like someone to do Adam's laundry, someone to do Adam's dishes, like someone to just be like Adam's like little slave. No, he's talking about a helper, someone that would help Adam in his mission to worship and glorify the Lord. Somebody who would be just this equal sharer in God's uh, plan and mission to further the kingdom on earth. Like, so God looked at man and he said, it's not enough. We need woman now. And he creates woman. And now man and woman come together and they partner together to glorify God with their lives. That's like just this, this epic thing. And some of you guys might be hearing this and you're like, yes, that sounds great. Like, that's a great vision. Like, it would be so great to find a mate. And I mean, yeah, it rhymed. <laughs> It'd be so great to find a mate. Someone start beatboxing. No, don't please. Um, but here's the deal. So I used to be your junior high pastor for many of you. Some of you guys, uh, I was not your junior high pastor. And I remember talking to like some of you guys in junior high, you know, and you, you were like, dude, I think she's the one, bro. I think I'm going to marry her, dude. Aaron, Pastor Aaron, she's the one for me, man. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about, man? You look like Justin Bieber, you know, got the Justin Bieber haircut. She looks like she is literally five years old. Like what is going on, man? And, and here's the thing. 
honestly, can we just, now that you guys are in high school, can we just agree junior high dating is the worst, okay? <laughs> it is the worst. I mean, why, why would you disagree? You're not in junior high anymore. You have nothing to defend. Here's, <laughs> here's what I say, and I've always said this, but dating in middle school is like a toddler driving a fire truck because a relationship is a very important thing. It's a very valuable thing. It's a, something that is meant for a purpose, to glorify the Lord. And in junior high, I mean, honestly, like, we just, you don't have... The understanding, like, if you're going to drive a fire truck, you got to go to fireman's school. I don't know, like, fire academy, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, fire, fire, fire academy, that's what it's called. You have to get training. You have to understand, like, how to take care of the fire truck and how to handle the fire truck and, like, how to not die. <laughs> Most people I know in junior high who get in relationships, it's like, it's like, oh, this is fun, but they crash and they burn and it's no good. Well, here's the thing. You guys are in high school now, okay? I am a fan of relationships in high school. I'll just straight up say it. I'm not one of those guys who's like, don't date until you're 47, then you can move out of your mom's basement. <laughs> like that's, that's not, no, like I, I'm a fan, honestly. Like if some of you guys like started dating and some of you guys have started dating, like, hey, I'm not to single you guys out. <laughs> There's a few of them around in the room, I don't know. I'll just say, I'm a fan. I like it because I know God's heart and intention for relationships. And so I'm proud of you guys because you're in a stage of your life where you're heading in the direction that God's leading you. And for those of you guys who aren't dating, um, if God leads you to that, if God's behind that, if that's what he brings you to, I am supportive and I'm behind you and I love you. And I just want to help you understand how to have a relationship that glorifies the Lord and honors the Lord. I am not anti-relationship. I'm all about it. If it glorifies the Lord... I've seen so many relationships um, from this group end up going on and furthering and just being awesome, and, and I want to see more of that. So um, let's talk about this. The first thing I want to talk about is what is the purpose of the relationship? What is the relationship goal, if you will? So what's the ultimate goal of dating? Um, well, in the world, okay, most of the time, there's a few reasons. One, uh, companionship. Like, that's the most basic reason. Like, you're like, I hate sitting around and playing Xbox by myself. It'd be great if there was a girl who also sat on the couch and played Xbox with me. My wife, she plays Mario Kart with me all the time. It's the only game I can get her to play, but it's amazing that she plays it with me. But companionship, just wanting to be with somebody, wanting a hand to hold, wanting someone to be around, someone to be with. Um, another reason in the world is entertainment. And some of you guys have maybe seen this in your schools. Um, I remember, whoa, that scared me so bad. I was like, what is going on? Uh, maybe I can turn that. Uh, okay, I'm just going to block it out. If it happens, it happens. Um, <laughs> I remember, like, uh, how many of you guys went to Calvary? Okay, so I went to Calvary my entire life, private Christian school, like, super chill, and just, like, you know, a relationship was like, did you hear that, like, Johnny and Sarah sat next to each other, like, at the food court? Oh, my gosh. Like, like that was a relationship, you know, and then off hours, I don't know what people were doing, but at school, everyone kept it pretty, like, low-key. Um, I remember when I became the youth pastor, the first time I went to a public school, it was like, it was Madison Middle School, okay? Matt, any of you guys go to Madison? No? Madison Middle School. So I, I remember I step onto the campus of Madison Middle School and right, there's like, first of all, there's like a million kids there. Like literally, I think 2,000 kids went there. Like the eighth grade class was like 400 kids or something. But I remember like walking to this Christian club and by the lockers, there's like middle school kids like making out, like out in the open. And I'm just like, what is going on? Maybe for some of you guys, you're like, yeah, that's the world I live in. For me as a sheltered Christian boy, it was 
very strange. Um, but for some of you guys, maybe you've seen it where, um, you know, people just get into re- relationships for entertainment. Like, it's just like, it's just a matter of fun or it's a matter of like, I want a summer fling. I want someone to hang out with in the summer and then I'll dump them and find somebody else. Um, for some people, it's peer pressure. Um, and for me growing up, there's a lot of peer pressure to have a relationship because it seemed like everybody in the room at my class who was cool were the people in relationships. If you weren't in a relationship, you were lame. Um, and for some people, it's just lust. It's like, hey, I have this sexual drive, which is God-given. But for some people, it's like, I need to find an outlet for this. Oh, hot girl, hot guy, bam, dating, and now we can do whatever we want. And those are all the goals that the world has. But for those of us who are Christians, we need to understand the goal of relationships. There's two goals, okay? There's a little goal and there's a big goal. And the little goal is pretty big, okay? That makes sense. Here's the little goal. The little goal is marriage. It's to be in a relationship that leads to marriage. And one, that's the end goal. Now, sometimes Christians date and it's an awesome relationship and they're good to one another and they love one another, but then God leads them a different way or it doesn't work out and they end up breaking up. And hey, sometimes that's okay. Like, it's not like if you were in a relationship and you didn't get married, you failed and you're like, no, no, no. Like sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, but the, the thing we should be thinking about in a relationship is we should be asking the question, is this something that could potentially end up in a marriage situation? Now I want to turn to a video with John Mark Cummer from uh, Bridgetown Church in Portland, and he's going to define for us just what the purpose of marriage is. seems to me that the vast majority of us, at least myself, have a crystal clear idea of what marriage is. It's this idea of a man and a woman in a relationship for life. But even through all the controversy and the volcanic backlash over the last few years to the ongoing redefinition of marriage, one of the really weird things to me is that through all the op-eds and controversy and the ongoing war on both sides, little or nothing was said about what marriage is for. I mean, what's the point of it all? And in a nation where one in three first marriages ends in divorce, one in two of all marriages end in divorce, which is an insane stat. If you think about the odds, if you're engaged right now to be married, the odds of your marriage making it past a few short years are 50-50. So why in the world would anybody take that risk? I mean, what's the, that's a legitimate question. So as we think about this idea of what marriage is for, as a follower of Jesus, my worldview is shaped by Jesus and the biblical authors. And when I read in Genesis 1 and 2, we read about kind of the proto-humans, Adam and Eve, and the first marriage of all time, and this is iconic line, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. The first marriage of all time. And it's really interesting, if you read the story behind that statement for this reason. You see a various, a laundry list of reasons for marriage. For example, you see friendship. We read that it's not good for the man to be alone. We were created for relationship. Secondly, you read what I would call gardening. There was this Garden of Eden, this world that was raw and untamed and wild and in need of ruling, of help, of a man and a woman to come together and to rule over it, to make something of it. It's way too much work for one person. Adam needed help. He needed Eve. He needed a partner to do what God had put in his heart before. So obviously this is core, this is vital to what marriage is all about. A man and a woman coming together around something larger than themselves. If the point of your marriage is your marriage, it will self-destruct. If the point of your relationship is your relationship, it's only a matter of time until the wheels come off because marriage was made by God to exist for something so much larger than itself. So you have friendship, you have gardening, you have sexuality. Obviously we were created as sexual beings as part of how God 
God made us and marriage is the venue to express and enjoy our sexuality. You have family of that line, be fruitful and multiply. It's going to take more than one man and woman to rule over the earth. It's going to take all of the human race. And then we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. So in the wake of what we in theology call the fall, this idea of sin and its entrance into the human story, now I think a fifth reason is added for marriage, and that is this whole idea of becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like the image of God, the people that God made us to be, which is one of the best things about marriage. I mean, my wife sees the real me, not the real me that I am now, but the real me that I'm becoming, the man that God made me to me, and she pushes me and pulls me to that end. So she brings out the best in me, and living in close proximity to her, it exposes the worst in me, and this is such a great thing, because it means that I'm in transit, my marriage is a main vehicle for me to get to where God's called me to be. So those are kind of five reasons that I see theologically for marriage. The problem is, that's not why most of us get married. Most of us get married to be happy. But happiness is the byproduct of a healthy marriage. It's not the reason for. So if we go into marriage chasing after happiness, all that does is prime us at best for disillusionment and at worst for a 50-50 divorce rate. But if we go in chasing after friendship and gardening and sexuality and family and to become more like Jesus, then that sets us up for a little bit of the Garden of Eden. All right, rad stuff. So... Here's the thing, two goals. The little goal is marriage, okay? And that's a pretty big goal. But the bigger goal, even bigger than marriage, the biggest goal of a relationship is to glorify the Lord. And this can apply to not just marriages, but friendships, um, relationships with other friends. Like everything in our relationships with other people should be to glorify the Lord. So for you, as somebody who is either dating right now or wants to be dating, the goal for you in your relationship is, is this a relationship that is going to lead me and her or me and him to glorify the Lord? Um, so I love what um, Isaiah chapter 43 says. Uh, chapter or verse seven says, everyone who's called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everyone is called by my name, whom I created for my glory and wh whom I formed and made. God formed us and made us as people for his glory. And that's not a selfish thing. It's not God saying like, oh, I'm just cracking the whip, you know, do a dance for me to glorify me. Guys, we actually as humans, were, we were invented to glorify the Lord. We were invented to worship. And that doesn't just mean singing in church. Some of you guys are worshipers in that way. You love to sing songs in church. Some of you guys, you're like, I don't really know the words. I don't have a good voice. Like, that's not really your thing. But there's other ways that you worship the Lord with your life and your actions and serving others. Like, we are made to worship. And when we do... I, I kind of think of it as it's the kind of fulfillment I feel like a bird gets from flying. Um, when we don't worship, it's kind of like a bird that's clipped its wings and we're not allowing ourselves to fulfill what we're doing. Now, um, for some of you guys, I think you need to understand that with relationships, and maybe you guys have seen this, sometimes wrong motives can come into play. The motive isn't glorifying the Lord. The motive isn't worship. The motive isn't, can this relationship be something that blesses God and blesses others? And, and, and if you have the wrong motive for a relationship, oftentimes what it is is you're playing with hearts 
And some people, honestly, they treat relationships like they treat video rentals or Netflix cues. It's kind of like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to try this relationship. And oh, I don't really like that. Oh, he looks cute or she looks cute. And just like moving on from one to the next. Maybe some of you guys have seen that in your schools. People not really taking it seriously, but just chasing after the next relationship. Um, I see in social media, uh, people constantly putting themselves out there to get love and attention and relationships. Um, people posting selfies and saying, hey, rate me, like me, I want attention. And, and you know, we're created for friendship, but a lot of times we're looking for relationship and friendship in the wrong place. We're looking at we're looking for an affirmation from other people instead of finding our identity and knowing God loves us and then allowing God's love to equip us to then go out and have awesome relationships and friendships with other people. Um, I love the uh, the coffee shop Captain's Grounds. I know a lot of us here like that, but I was on their social media and I was bummed because uh, during Valentine's last year, um, they were doing this like... Um, this contest, I think it was, where basically it was like people um, had candy hearts and it was like you could write your own thing on the candy hearts and people were taking photos on social media and it was like, okay, who had the best caption? You guys know like the candy hearts they are like, hey, call me or like, be mine. Um, so the one that won the contest was a candy heart that said, send nudes. And to me, I was looking at that and I was like, this is basically the definition of what our society thinks of as love. Love is, if you love me, you will put yourself out there for me in whatever way I want sexually. You're an object for me. And it's not just guys that do it to girls. I see girls who do it to guys in this culture, in this age, all the time on social media. But you know what, honestly, like that kind of mentality, looking at someone and saying you're an object and that's what you are. Like I am pursuing this relationship with you because you please me and you make me happy in a physical way. Um, really, that kind of bad dating, all it really does is it just sets stage for divorce. And like he said, we see that all the time. The marriage rate is 50-50. People are getting into relationships purely based on physical attraction. Physical attraction is extremely important in a relationship, but it's not the main thing. And when we see people getting in these relationships where it's just because they think someone's attractive, what happens? 10 years down the line and all of a sudden she's not as attractive as he once thought she was or he's not as attractive or as rich or whatever as he once was and all of a sudden people get divorced and they go on to the next person. We see this all the time. Um, many of you guys have experienced this. I remember my wife... Um, you know, she went through divorce with her parents when she was very young. It was very hard on her. And it's still hard to this day. And, and, and when we got together and when she was sharing these things with her or with me, one of the things I told her was, you know, Brooklyn, I really feel led to tell you that um, this isn't going to be a pattern. I know that your parents got divorced and your grandparents got divorced and their grandparents or their parents got divorced. But that chain ends here. Like our relationship is one where we are going to focus on the Lord. And it's not just going to be about us. It's going to be about us together with the Lord. And our marriages, we, we want it to be one that lasts. Like for us, divorce is never an option. And we've had days where we fought. We've had days where we've had hard days. We've had good days. We've had bad days. But for us, it doesn't matter because we want a love that lasts a lifetime that's built not on just our feelings for one another, which are great. Like my wife is, I mean, she's here, so I don't want to like get too crazy. But like she's the most amazing, beautiful person in the world to me and I love her to death and um there's this thing called the seven-year itch where it's like after seven years of marriage like you're supposed to like lose interest and like kind of be like oh I don't know I might want to divorce like <laughs> it's been seven years I am more in love with her than the first day I met her and the day we got married like it's just so it can happen like the, the Lord can do it um here's the thing you got to ask yourself is my relationship worship 
Because think about worship in the Bible. Like Old Testament style, what did they do? Sacrifices, right? They would come and they'd put it on an altar. They'd light it on fire. The smoke would go up. And from miles around, people could see the smoke and they knew a sacrifice was going down. That's what your relationship should be like. One where it's out in the open, right? Not hidden, not like, oh, what are you guys texting? Like late at night, like on the surface, Sunday morning, like everything's good. But then like late at night after church, it's like, you know, secret texts and things that are inappropriate. Like that's the kind of relationship that does harm, not just to you, but it'll eventually do harm to other people around you. But the right relationship is one that is right out in the open where everyone can see it. No one's wondering like, what are they doing behind closed doors? Like it's just, everything's just right out in the open and you're going for Jesus together, and you're on fire for the Lord together, and people can see that smoke from miles around. For me, the people I looked up to were the relationships where I knew the two of them were in love with Jesus, and they were passionate about the Lord, and those are relationships that inspired me to this day. So this, this, the second thing I want to go over is, point two, is um, in our relationships, we need to begin preparing now for the future. And um, the kind of language that I'm using is one that I got from my friend and my old youth pastor, Evan Wickham's church. They're doing a series through Ephesians. And one of the things they're always talking about is how we need to become who we already are. What that means is God is making you who he has always wanted you to be. And so God has a role for you to play. Like for those of you guys in this room who will get married and who will become fathers and who will become mothers and who will become husbands and wives. Right now, you're focused on your life right now. You're focused on being a student. You're focused on your sports. You're focused on your life right now. But God says, no, don't just focus on that. Become who you are meant to be. Start now becoming the husband you are meant to be. Start now while you're single, becoming the wife you are meant to be. How do you do it? You follow the Lord. You follow the Lord. You become a man or woman after God's own heart. And here's the reality. We need to start preparing because once we get there, I don't care how godly you are. Once you get to that relationship point, it will get difficult and there will be struggles and there will be temptations. I was talking to uh, just a friend of mine a couple years ago and uh, it was a guy who graduated the high school group and we were buddies and we went out and he's in college, you know, and we're talking and hanging out and he's dating this girl, really nice girl. Everything seems like it's going good. And uh, I'm like, how are things going, man? He's like, oh, it's going good. It's awesome. And then I'm like, you know, what about like with temptation? Are you doing okay? Do you need prayer? And he's like, oh, you know, we're, we're fine. I mean, we're just, you know, making out. And I was like, is that difficult for you? And he's like, yes, absolutely. And I was like, yeah, like what happens like when you do that? And he's like, oh my gosh, like every time we do, it's like, I tell myself, I want to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. But my body is like, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. And you know what it is? It's just, it's basic biology. <laughs> like that's the way you're designed. And, and the reality is that's the way God made you. Okay? So it's not like an evil thing. It's not like, oh my gosh, satanic forces are making me want to like do things with this person. Like, it's not satanic forces. It's actually the way that God made you. So here's the thing. The reality is um, God has designed you with marriage and sex in mind. It's something he made and he gave it to you as a gift. It's a future gift that you're going to unwrap one day. Kind of like Christmas when, you know, you open your gift on Christmas. It's awesome. You open your gift in October and your parents are like, what the heck are you doing? Like, why? <laughs> why did you open that in October? It was meant for Christmas. So um, the reality is when you start making out with somebody, your natural body responses are going to kick in and make you want to do things that go beyond making out. It's going to be like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? That's, that's biology. God gave it to you. It's his design. Um, and he meant it for marriage. And so my encouragement to people in relationships is 
try to put off as much of that stuff as possible. Try to be patient and put off things like that as much as possible until you get married. And I'm not one of those people who's like, if you had a kiss before marriage, you are going straight to Haiti. Like that's not, no, like, like whatever. But you know, there, there's a, there's a line between a kiss and taking it further. And I think when we go down that road, um, I can tell you from experience. I know many other people who can tell you from experience, it, it gets difficult and it's a struggle. And I've, I know so many guys personally who've made mistakes and who've gone down that road and, and it's turned into heartbreak for them. And I just want to encourage you. And I, you know what? Here's the reality. I was thinking about the other day. Uh, the reality is I'm going to throw out this stuff and like, some of you guys are going to be like, that's gold. Thank you for this. I will cherish it and take it with me into my wedding day. Some of you guys are going to be like, whatever, Aaron, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I can handle it. I'm awesome. Um, and then you'll make mistakes and you'll think one day about this steady and you'll be like, dang, I wish I listened. But I can't make you guys do anything. All I can do is throw this out here and just trust that the Lord's going to guide you. So please, like Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, think about fire, okay? Uh, Proverbs 6, 27, verse 28. Can a man carry fire in his arms and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be burned? Some of you guys are like Pam did in the office. It was rad. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Okay, um, think of sex. This is like the cheesy youth group analogy that we've always used, but it's, it's, it, it, it's effective. Um, sex, is it bad? Is fire bad? No. Is fire good? No. It depends. Conditions, right? <laughs> if you're roasting a marshmallow, fire's awesome. If it's like the Southern or Northern California fires and you lost your home and your horses, it's terrible. It's like the worst thing ever. Fire in a fire pit is great. Fire in a fireplace, awesome. Fire in your house, bad. Fire in a forest, bad. Like there's a designated place for the fire. Just in the same way, there's a designated place for sex. And it's not God saying, I'm gonna limit you. I'm just gonna, like, is it limiting to have fire in a fire pit? Are you like, are you sitting there during the fire and you're like, this is great, but I would much rather be in the middle of a blazing inferno, tearing down like everything around me and killing and ever all my loved ones. Like, no, no one wants that. Like, no one, why, why? So yeah, sex will be great. Like, it's awesome, it's amazing, but it's worth waiting for, just like the gifts on Christmas. God doesn't hate it, he made it, and he just wants it to happen in the right environment. Yeah, don't fake yourself out and say, I can handle it. Begin preparing now for the future. If you're struggling right now, temptation, if you're struggling with pornography, that's something that affects both guys and girls today in this culture. If you're struggling, find a leader. Like none of us are gonna be like, how dare you? Get out of this group, never come back. Like we, we know how to help with this stuff. We know how to help you get safeguards and barriers. If you're struggling right now with pornography, like how do you think you're gonna handle yourself in a relationship? How do you think you're gonna resist that temptation? If you're struggling with thoughts that are wrong, like how do you think once all of a sudden you're in a relationship where that temptation is amped up to a thousand, how, how are you going to withstand it? You need to go and get help and ask for help and go to the Lord. I mean, think about Eve. She said, I can handle it. I can take this fruit. She couldn't. She couldn't. That's always the lie that the enemy says, you can handle this. We can't. We need to remember that God knows what's best for us and he loves us. He doesn't want the worst for us. He's not out to ruin our fun. He's out to make things the most fun for us. And the things are most fun when we wait for him in his time. So God does not look down on relationships. He looks up on relationships that glorify him. What are your motives? Is it to glorify God or to glorify your flesh? 
Are you in this relationship and saying, like, this is not my relationship. My relationship is not for me. It's for the Lord and me and her or me and him are going to glorify the Lord together. Or is it about the physical stuff? Is it about the temptation and having an outlet? Is it about friends? Is it about drama? Is it about, like, what is it about? That's the question you want to ask yourself. And you know what? You can be in a relationship right now for the wrong reasons. And you can turn it around. Like, you can literally tonight be like, hey, like, we, let's get our hearts right with the Lord. And if you're tonight and you're not dating, and that happens to you one day, think back to this moment. If you find yourself in a relationship and you weren't thinking and you got caught up and swept up in the romance and all of a sudden you're like, I'm in this relationship for the wrong reasons, you together can go to the Lord, repent, and seek his will together. There's always hope. Now, listen, girls, I'm going to speak to you for a minute, okay? Girls, in, okay, statistically, statistically, what happens a lot of times to girls your age is you oftentimes are developing spiritually more than guys at this age. It just, it happens. And those of us, me, Scott, Matt, we can tell you when we were in high school, a lot of times the girls around us were more spiritual. I know I'm not talking about this group. I'm not like pointing at any of you guys. I think you guys are great, but I'm just throwing this out as a blanket statement for you girls to consider. Um, and especially you girls who like around guys at your school, around guys at maybe other churches you go to. I'm just trying to say you girls need to really think that the guy that you want in a relationship is a guy who is walking with Jesus who is strong in his walk with Jesus, and he was going to point you to Jesus, not someone you're dragging along. I talk to so many girls who are in relationships with a guy who is miles behind them spiritually, or with a guy who is not even saved or just doesn't go to church, or maybe he was saved a long time ago, but like, it's like, oh yeah, like he was baptized when he was a baby, and like, that's just kind of, and girls, listen, you need a guy, and this goes for the guys too, guys, you need a girl who is walking with Jesus, because remember, go back to the name Adam and Eve, what's the whole point? The point of the relationship is to glorify God together. I was just talking with a guy who used to go to this group, graduated years ago, randomly showed up on my doorstep at my office um, to talk to me. And same thing, he's dating some girl, he's living in New York, dating some girl, she's not a Christian. And, I'm, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going through all these problems, I don't understand why. And it's like, dude, it's because you're trying to go in one direction with your life, you're trying to serve the Lord and follow him, and this girl doesn't want anything to do with it. How are you going to live your life together when the most important thing about your life is not the most important thing about her life? It, it just doesn't make sense. Guys, I'm going to talk to you now. Guys, focus on becoming what she deserves. And let me say that again. Focus on becoming what she deserves. Because the girls in this room and the girls at your school and the girls around you and even the girls who aren't saved because God loves them too and he hopes that they get saved, what they deserve is a guy who is a man after God's own heart. That's what they need. That's what they deserve. Get your priorities straight. A girl does not need you to have washboard abs. If that's your focus, if that's what you're chasing after, but you're neglecting your walk with the Lord, that's not what she needs. A girl doesn't need you to have a fast and shiny car. Uh, she needs you to have a heart after God, okay? Become who you already are. God is working to turn you into who you have always been meant to be. It's, that's, that's what get really excites me. Because the Bible says that he will be faithful to complete the work he began in us. Guys, God is already doing a work in you. Here's the thing. It's not like you have to be like, oh, I have to do all this work to like turn myself into this amazing person. No, all you have to do is go to God and say, what do you want me to do? 
And he has a game plan lined up for you. He has someone he wants you to become. And if you step into that and you say, God, I don't want to chase after who I want to become. Help me to become the man or the woman that you're making me to be. When you do that, he begins a process that is just amazing. And it's so much better. I've tried the whole trying to make myself better thing. It doesn't work. When you go to God and you say, what's the next step today? Not like, hey, God, give me the five-year plan. But like today, this morning, this afternoon, God, who do you want me to be right now? Learn to step into that. The third thing is guard your heart. Typical, typical Christian thing to say, guard your heart, bro. Guard your heart. Guard her heart, bro. <laughs> That's what you say. Above all else. Um, that's what Proverbs 4.23 says. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. People often don't guard their hearts. People oftentimes just put themselves and their heart and everything all the way out there out of desperation, which is what I did a lot in high school. I was very desperate, so I was always putting myself out there. And the reality is, is if love leads to marriage, love is very serious. Like who you spend the rest of your life with is very serious. It's a big decision. And so a part of guarding your heart, and not just your heart, but their heart, the person you're interested in, is ask God. Bring him into the equation. Um, when it comes to big decisions, I always ask my wife. Like, I never, like, I, I'm, I never go to my wife and, like, hit her over the head with a hammer. And while she's knocked out, like, put her on a plane, take her to Kansas. And it's like, hey, honey, we moved to Kansas. I made the decision. Like, that's not what I do. And if I did that, you'd be like, you're a terrible person. You should go to jail, right? But how many of us make big decisions without talking to God? And we're just like, hey, God, you're in my heart. So you're along for the ride because wherever I go, you're, like, in my blood pumping vessel. Like, is that what it means to be in my heart? No. Um, <laughs> listen. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He loves you and he knows what he's doing. And nothing can separate you from God's plan if you're willing to walk with him. That's very exciting because I don't know about you, but I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we think God was saying one thing and then we find out we weren't listening hard enough and it was just our flesh and we were going after one thing and we made a mistake. And the tendency, especially at your age, and yeah, even at my age, is to be like, I've ruined my life. I went on a date with that girl and she wasn't the one for me and now my life is over. Like that's, that's the tendency. Or to like, you get a bad grade on a test and you're like, literally my life is over. Like I got an F and I've been working all my life to be valedictorian and now I'm gonna be a salutatorian and my life is over. Like, you know what I mean? Well, some of you guys are like, I don't. And like the one person who is is like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but here's the thing, we make mistakes, we mess up. No mistake is big enough to separate you from God's will for your life, okay? Here's the thing, and I know I say that a lot, but here's the thing. Um, <laughs> the thing is, God has a big picture plan for your life. He has a, somewhere he wants to take you. He has a place he wants to go, okay? He is constantly giving you opportunities to step into that will. Now, there's going to be days where you do. There's going to be days where you mess up and you make a mistake. The tendency is to think that if we make that mistake, if we sin or if we fall or if we got into a relationship and it turned out to be the wrong one or maybe we're like still single and it's like I, I, there was that girl in the cafeteria and I was supposed to say I love you and I didn't and now she married Jeff. And, you know, and, and it's just like we tend to think of it as like there's this map and when we make a mistake, we burn the map. And it's like, oh, my gosh, there's no more map. 
And God, God is like a map maker. He is always adjusting. Like he's always looking at the mistakes and saying, ooh, but what if you took this path? What if you took that path? Ooh, here's my plan for you. Like God is not like you made them, like I had this plan for you since you were in your mother's womb and you made that mistake and now it's all over and you're doomed. No, he is just like, he's, uh, the will of God is amazing because he is so able to overcome our mistakes and our problems and give us a greater plan. And so just like rejoice in that, to know that it is always available for you, no matter what mistakes you make. And I'm not downplaying sin. If you do something gnarly, like you need to go to the Lord and repent. Like, because if you continue in sin, there's no way you can walk in God's will then. If you continue in sin, you're gonna be off that path. But repent, get with the Lord, say, I made a mistake, but please help me. And he will reveal to you the next step and the next path for you. There's always hope. God knows what he's doing. Nothing can separate you from God's plan if you're willing to walk with him. His hand is always extended saying, just walk with me. So here's the last point for tonight. And before, again, the verse for this entire series is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Just acknowledge him. Just bring him into the mix. Just pray, talk to him. And he like maybe we'll direct your path. No, he will direct your path is what the Bible says. It's that verse has never failed me. Here's the last thing. Trust the Lord with your love life. Okay. Trust the Lord with your love life. Okay. I <laughs> struggled with this a lot. I started out as like a pretty cute kid. Okay. I mean, there I am pretty cute. And then, like, got into, like, middle school, started to get really chubby. And then high school, like, some weird stuff happened. And, like, I don't know what happened, but, like, somehow that happened. And it was weird. It was a weird time. And um, every girl I was interested in was like, no. I was like, no. Like, uh, I remember there was one girl who was like, Aaron, you're going to make a great husband to someone to, someday. Just not me right now. And, like, it was, it was hard. I remember... Um, there, I got rejected all the time, you know, and I never even like asked anyone out like to be my girlfriend. I was just like, hey, look, let's go to the spring dance, you know. That was always my thing. I just want to date to the spring dance. There was one girl I called, and um, I called her in middle school, and I was like, hey, do you want to go? Or I was like, hey, do you want to go to the spring dance? She was like, um, I'm really sorry, but there's another boy who's gonna probably ask me, maybe I don't know, but he might. So now, and I was just like, what am I, chopped liver? I got there first, and it was just like, what? And then he didn't even ask her, and she just went with her friend instead of calling me back. So it was just like, oh, I guess I'll just go die in a ditch. Um, and then. Yeah, that kind of stuff just happened all the time. There was another girl I asked to a dance, and it was in the alleyway at Calvary, uh, right outside our youth room, and she literally laughed at me and ran away. I was like, hey, do you want to? She's like, ha <laughs> And she ran away really fast. And uh, there was another girl who was, like, dating David. She was dating David Lopez at the time. Remember D David Lopez from, like, Vine and YouTube and stuff? She was dating David Lopez, and um, I didn't know. Like, my friend Trevor was like, bro, she's single. Go for it, bro. And I was like, oh, yeah, bro. And then I, like, asked her, and she's like, uh, I'm actually dating David Lopez, like, future internet star, and I'm going to be a millionaire. And anyway, she, well, she didn't really say that because she would have been able to tell the future. Anyway, life was hard, basically, for young Aaron. And um, there was lots of nights where I cried into my pillow, just like, ah, uh, sad, um, face down on the bed, just like, ah, so sad, and uh, weeping. And... Uh, 
I mean, honestly, like I was, I thought I was going to die single and I looked around at every, like a lot of kids in my class had dates. A lot of people in my class had relationships and I was like, what is wrong with me? Is it because I'm fat? Is it because I'm ugly? Is it because I'm not funny? I'm not charming. Um, lots of insecurity that I dealt with and just like started to get depressed. Um, that picture you saw of me was like in my late stage of high school and I was honestly, I grew out this long hair as a mask to like hide my pain, basically. It was like my way of protecting myself. And it was my way of being unique. Cause I was like, you know, if, if I have this, at least there's something different about me and maybe I'll stand out and people will notice me. Um, before that picture you saw me, I was pretty skinny. I think I was like 175 pounds at that point of like a year before that I was like 250 pounds. And so, um, I lost all this weight. I wasn't like anorexic or anything. I actually just exercised and like ate fruit a lot and stopped eating ice cream every day. But, um, I developed this thing called body dysmorphia, which is where you look at yourself in the mirror and you see someone else. And it basically, I still saw myself as really big, even though I was skinny, it was really weird and bizarre. And, um, I was just honestly going through so much at that time. And I don't know what you guys are going through, but for me, like at that time in high school it was a really rough time because I literally felt like I had no friends and I had no hope of ever meeting anyone and falling in love. And you know, most of you guys have heard this story, so I'm not going to go into long details, but basically I was driving one night in my car, kind of bummed out about this stuff. And God spoke to me and was like, Aaron, before you fall in love with someone else, fall in love with me. And I was like, what are you talking about, God? I'm a pastor's son. I'm doing children's ministry, puppet shows. And God was like, I really want you to just focus on me during this season of your life. And I started reading the Bible more than I've ever read it. I've started praying more than I've ever read it. I started volunteering in the youth group uh, in junior high ministry. And God just started to teach me about stopping to stop focusing on myself and to focus on others and, and to start focusing my life on helping others and serving others. And when I was doing junior high ministry, I was like, oh my gosh, there's these little sixth grade kids who are like going through the same stuff as me. And, and God really showed me what it meant to fall deeply in love with him. And I ended up going to Bible college and uh, I thought, <laughs> I was like, God, I don't even want uh, a girlfriend. I just want a best friend, you know, and I, I just want someone who'll be like a bro and read the Bible with me. And I showed up to my dorm and like all the guys there were from like Philly and they all were like tight jean, like cool hair, like band musician guys. Like they all, they were like, you know, like 17 and like had like full beards. And I just had like literally like the dirtiest, tiniest little mustache. And just like, I just, I, I felt so inadequate to them and, and they weren't really that friendly to me. Like they kind of had their own dynamic going. So I just felt like the weirdo, you know, like the Muppets. I felt like Gonzo basically like the weirdo in my, uh, up little dorm there. And I was like, great, this is Bible college. I just, I wanted a best friend. And really early on into Bible college, I ended up meeting Brooklyn. Um, she actually approached me first. Um, she made the first move. We were in the dorm, or the garage, not the dorm. We were not in the dorm. But uh, we were in the garage, which is the fellowship hall. And she, I was playing the piano, and she, actually, I'm probably butchering this story, but she, she approached me, and we started talking, and we started to form this friendship. And before I know it, we were going on walks together and talking together. We ended up going to uh, Mr. Darcy's house from Pride and Prejudice on a field trip and, like, instantly, like, became best buddies. Our first joke was about butts. We saw the naked angel babies on the wall, uh, and we were like, ha-ha, butts, ha And, like, it was this joke that united us. Weird. Anyway, um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, we spent the entire day together walking around and looking at art and statues and we basically like fell in love and we didn't tell each other and um I was shy and she was shy and we just didn't tell each other our feelings and I started to like get up the courage to like ask her to, or to tell her that I loved her and I would pray 
Because I remember that verse, trust in the Lord and always acknowledge him. And God was like, don't screw this up. <laughs> don't be an idiot. And I was like, but God, look, all my friends are dating. Like that guy dated her and that guy dated her and they're dating. Like none of the relationships from Bible college that semester lasted basically. Like all of the relationships that semester, all the people got together and there were a lot. They all ended up breaking up. Uh, and, and that semester, I wanted to be one of those relationships. And God said, no. He said, don't tell her you love her. Just be her friend. Just focus on the friendship. Just focus on, you know, the friendship aspect. And we would walk around, we'd talk, and we'd go grocery shopping, we'd go to coffee shops, like we'd do all this stuff together. And I was like, I just want to hold her hand at least. Like, I just want to like profess my love. And God was like, don't be an idiot. And the semester got over and um, we were at the airport and it was the first time we ever hugged. Um, that was like the only like physical contact we'd ever had, like just this hug. And um, I didn't know it, but she left and just started like weeping on the plane because she was in love with me. And I actually left and I was tearing up because I was in love with her. And I was thinking, oh God, you ruined my life. This beautiful, amazing, smart, funny, compassionate, caring, intelligent girl. And now she's gone forever and she's off to Maine, which is the other side of America. And I'm in California. Thanks a lot, God. Great plan you have. And I was like, this is, she's gonna get back to Maine. She's so cute that some guy is just gonna steal her. And I got back to Maine, or I didn't get back to Maine. I got back to California, and I opened up MySpace, which was like the Facebook, or that was, it was like the Snapchat of its time, you know, or like whatever the next thing is. And I opened it up, and I had a message from her, and it wasn't like, I love you. It was just like, hey, how are you? And we started doing that. We started writing and talking, and I was like, God, okay, can I tell her now that I love her? And God was like, nope, 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 just keep waiting. How long was it from like the day we met until I finally told you I loved you? So how many months is that? I don't know, almost a year. Almost a year! <laughs> well, I didn't even tell her. But after, after that... You told me you liked me, and then like two minutes later, you told me you loved me. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I flew to Maine, I showed up at her house, and I was like, I love you. And we like started dating right after that. And I took it a little too fast because I started talking about marriage like that day. But uh, don't do that, guys. Bad move. <laughs> anyway... Here's the thing, okay? We've been together now for almost 10 years. Um, we have been together for 10 years. She has an amazing memory. I love her. Here's the thing. God is a master author, and he wants to write your love story. He wants, like, he is an amazing painter, and he wants to paint this picture of love for you. And so many of us, we, like, we want to write our own story. Like, I wanted to write my own story. I was like... Cute girl, want to tell her now. Like, I think that would have been terrible. I think maybe if that would have happened, we may have not stuck together like all the other relationships that semester. But God knew what was right. He knew that we needed to build this foundation of friendship. And I feel like God's this master painter and we're like, we have finger paint. We're like, I'm going to paint. And it's like, no, like God has a better plan. Girls, get, seek the Lord and ask him to lead you to a guy who will take care of you, not a guy who will use you, a guy who will encourage you and bless you, not a guy who will cause you to stumble. Guys, ask the Lord to lead you to an amazing girl who will point you to him and not lead you into temptation and, and, and love you and, and, and care for you and point you to the Lord. That's what we all need. I'm gonna end with this. I love what uh, Max Lucado says. It's a quote that's stuck with me forever. It's, a young woman's heart should be so hidden in Christ, it takes a young man searching for Christ to find her. 
kind of the, the way that social media has kind of created this world around us, and it is the world that you all live in, and it's not changing, it's not going away. Like, I don't care how homeschooled you are, like, you still will have to face it <laughs> at some point. Um, the reality is, the, the way of the world is put yourself out there. Like, whether you're a guy or a girl, honestly, like, put yourself out there, show as much skin as possible, just like, like, just bare your soul and just like be filthy and vile and just try to be sexy and try to get everyone to see you and come after you. Like, that's the way of the world. It's put yourself out there. But the way of the Lord is hide yourself in Him, seek after Him with all your heart, hide yourself in Him in that way. When a young man is seeking Christ, Christ will lead him to you. Guys, seek after Christ with all of your heart and ask him along the way, God, prepare me to be the kind of man that the future woman who will become my wife deserves. Because that is what they deserve. Girls are precious. They're amazing. They're beautiful. And they they are created in the image of God and they deserve a guy. But I'm saying this as a guy. I'm speaking to the guys because I'm passionate about this. They deserve a man who will love her the way that Jesus loves us. I love this verse, and I'll end with this. Matthew 6, 20 through 21. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your treasure right now in your looks, in your popularity, in your quest for a boyfriend or girlfriend? Is that your treasure or is your treasure Christ? Because I think there's some guys in this room who are treasure hunters. And I think as they're hunting for Christ, there's a chance that they might find a woman that God would lead them to. I think there's some girls here who are treasure hunters who are just going to be going after Jesus. And as they do, Jesus is going to lead them to a relationship that's right for them. So I'm gonna end it there. I'm gonna pray, and then we'll open up for some questions. And I'm, I've already talked a lot, so I don't wanna do all the questions. I want some of the counselors also to join me in answering some questions. Does that sound good, guys? Yeah? Sweet. Okay, Lord, we love you. Uh, God, we thank you for this time. God, I'm so thankful that your heart for relationships is so much more beautiful than the world's heart. The world says, fall in love because you think that you're hot and pretty, and you like one another, and maybe it'll last, maybe you'll stay together, but maybe it won't. Who knows? Who can tell? Who can say? God, you have a picture of relationships that is built on a love that's agape love, an unconditional love, a love that wants to build the kingdom of God together, a love where men and women can come together and say, this relationship's not about us, but it's a sacrifice, it's an offering on the altar. We wanna worship Jesus together with our lives. I pray for the, the young people here that you would help them to discover what that means to be in that kind of relationship. Help them, Lord, to discover what it means to honor you together. Lord, help them to honor you through obeying their parents, through following rules and sticking to boundaries, even though those things don't seem fun. God, help them to, to realize that it's all a part of your beautiful plan to make them more like you more full of the Holy Spirit, more in love with each other and with you. For the students here who um, aren't in a relationship, God, help them, Lord, to, to, 
even though it's a struggle, Lord, to be single, especially, Lord, just in our age where we're single longer and longer, it seems, until we're married. Uh, people are marrying later and later, God. I, I pray that you would help these young people to realize that during that journey, you are making them into the person that they've always been meant to be. And the end goal is not marriage. The end goal is a deeper relationship with Christ. Um, Lord, I pray for people in this room that you would lead them to the men and women that you would set aside for them, Lord, that, that those relationships, those future husbands and future wives of the precious students in this room would help them become more in love with you. We love you, Lord, and we ask all this in your name. Amen.